Hello, and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, September 17, 2017. Our text for the morning comes from Ephesians, the second chapter, starting at verse 1. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which He has loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he may show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. I must admit... As we get ready to dive into this series, I'm more than a little nervous about preaching about does the Bible really say that? Because a lot of times we accept things that are said just as absolute gospel truth. And we don't, a lot of times, individually and as a church, we have trouble when people come along and challenge our way of thinking. And we have trouble when people come along and ask us to look at things in a different way. And I have to hazard a guess that over the next five weeks, some of our nearest and dearest beliefs may be challenged. And this week is one of those that I think is said with the best of intentions, but can lead among the most damaging of effects. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, the Lord helps those who help themselves? How many of you ever heard that phrase? How many of you ever used it? What does it mean? What does it mean when you say the Lord helps those who help themselves? Anyone? What's it mean? It's usually a judgment on somebody who you feel hasn't done their part in helping themselves. That's an interesting word, judgment. We're going to hold on to that for a minute. Anybody else want to add to Diane's definition? I think you may have gotten the gold star for this morning, Diane. Because here's the thing. It's meant, and often it's been my experience when that phrase is used, it's meant a lot like Diane said. It's meant to, basically what you're doing is you're telling someone it's your own fault that you aren't at a better place in life because if you would only help yourself out a little bit, God would find favor with you. Because what's more important than what's being said is what's not being said. And basically the back half of that sentence is, the Lord helps those who help themselves, and it's obvious that you haven't done anything. And yet as we look at Good Friday and as we look at Easter Sunday, And as we look at the life of the faith, 
The whole point of Jesus' life is in fact that God helps those who do not help themselves. We look at Jesus' life and there is no meritocracy. There's no, well, because you do this, God's going to do this as far as loving you more. There's, it's not like America where a lot of times we get deluded into thinking that the size of our checkbook or the positions that we hold make us more right than other people. We live in a society where we try to hold money and we try to hold authority over the heads of those we want something out of and that is the most contrary attitude that you can have vis-a-vis the Christian faith because Jesus came to offer grace to everyone. The whole point is you are loved and you are treasured and there's nothing you can do about it. And yet it's not just a 21st century Western Christianity where this idea of money and power and prestige and position and longevity and bloodlines and genetic make us right. It goes back to the earliest days of Christianity. And Paul's dealing with some of this when he's writing to the church at Ephesus. And he says in the very first verses, As for you... You notice he didn't say as to them. He didn't say as to those who are not part of the church. He didn't say as to them who aren't part of the, the circle. But he says to the church. And as you and I listen in, we would be foolish to think that he's not also got something to say to us here. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins and what you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. All of us, he says, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Did you notice that? Paul didn't spare any of us from the understanding that there's not a one of us who deserves God's grace. That's the first thing we must remember from this passage is that no one deserves God's grace. No one. It's part of why we talk about the doctrine of original sin. There's not a one of us by our own nature that is not in desperate need of God's grace. That flies in the face of this idea that the Lord helps those who help themselves. The Lord helps everyone. One of the great things about being part of the Methodist tradition is that we believe in the doctrine of provenient grace, which says no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, whether you acknowledge God, whether you accept Christ or not, you have been touched by God's grace because you breathe, because you've been given the gift of life. That flies in the face of telling people, if only they had tried harder, God's favor would have been found further in them. 
But it's not only this idea that we're all, none of us are worthy or deserving of God's grace, but he goes on. And he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God's love is infinite and limitless. God's love is infinite and limitless. How much would our lives change? How much would the lives of those that we love change if instead of looking at God's love as a commodity that has levels that go up and down, how much would our lives change if we looked at God's love as infinite and limitless? What would it do to awaken our own souls if we realized there's nothing we can do that will make God love us any less? What would it do for our interaction with others if we realized God's love for them is infinite and limitless? What, to what end would we be people of grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness if we truly captured the idea of God's love being infinite and limitless because of His great love for us? His great love that does not say, if you do X, I will love you more. Does not say, if you do X, I will help you more. God puts no conditions on His love. The question is, do you and I, not only do we believe it, but do we live it out? goes on. And he says, And God raised us up with Christ. And then he goes on. And he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one should boast. It's pretty much saying there, in black and white, we do not earn our way into God's favor. We cannot, I do not care how big your checkbook is, you cannot buy your way into heaven, you cannot buy your way into God's love. I don't care how small your checkbook is, God's love is not denied to you. I don't care how much power you may have, or how little power you may have. God's love and God's grace is His work. Salvation is God's work, period. Salvation is God's work, period. And it's so hard because that flies in the face of what we have been taught as citizens of the 21st century in America. We live in a society where we try to throw our weight around and prove to others how right we are. We do it in our societies. We do it in our families. 
I hate to say it, we even do it in our churches. We try to say that because of all this, God does this. Because of what we've done. And yet it's not at all because of what we have done. Salvation is God's work. Period. How much would our lives change? How much would the lives of those around us, how much would our church change if we got over our ideas of meritocracy, if we got over our ideas of checkbook righteousness, if we got over our ideas of longevity righteousness, if we got over our ideas of all these things, and we realize that salvation is God's work, and it is ours, simply to bask in and to celebrate. Finally, Paul reminds the Ephesians, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want to remind you of something. At no point am I saying that we are not to do good works. At no point am I saying we are not to engage in the work of Christ. Prayer, presence, giving, serving, witnessing. There's a reason why we are called to worship every Sunday. We are called to be a part of a small group, a Sunday school class, a Bible study, a youth group, a children's ministry, whatever it is. There's a reason why we are called to do things like we're doing tomorrow night to support those who protect and serve. There's a reason why we do these things like flood relief. There's a reason why we do these things. And it's not so that we can earn God's favor. But we do it because we have been given God's favor. Because here's what he says. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. It's all about motivation. And it's all about perspective. It's about why do we do what we do. And as well-intentioned as the idea is that the Lord helps those who help themselves, it's actually a very dangerous concept for us to propagate. And it's a very dangerous concept for us to have as an attitude and a way to look forward. It is true the Lord helps those who help themselves. But it's incomplete because the Lord helps everyone. And when we use the phrase, the Lord helps those who help themselves, as Diane said, as a way of judgment, what we're doing is we're missing out on the message of Paul's words to the Ephesians. Because of God's grace, we are compelled to do good works. Because of the cross... Because of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we are compelled to do good works, not because we have to, but because we want to. And we want to, not to earn God's favor, but because we have been given God's favor. So as we leave today, dear brothers and sisters, let us be bold enough to ask ourselves, what is our motivation? What is our motivation to live out the Christian calling? 
Is it to point to ourselves? Is it to let others know our power, our strength, our mer- you know, is it, is it to point to us? Or is it to point to God? Where is it this morning for you? And for those of you who are sitting there, maybe thinking, wow, I'm not worthy. Don't forget the very first part of this. None of us are worthy. But we have been made worthy. And because of the confusion that comes, that is why we are called to be the community of faith. That is why we are called to be the church. That is why we are called to worship together, to love one another, to forgive one another, to reconcile with each other, to bend over backwards, not to exhibit anger, but to exhibit encouragement. Because we are stronger together than we are divided. And when we come together as one, we proclaim the symphony that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Let us live out that way and prove to the world that the Lord helps everyone and He does it by His grace alone. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First United Methodist Church of Deritter, Louisiana. Find out more about us at fumcderitter.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash fumcdr. Have a blessed day.